How is data transforming business? Presented by Enterprise Management 360 and moderated by Donna Burbank. Hello, and welcome to EM360's podcast series on data transforming business. I'm Donna Burbank, and I'll be your host for today's podcast. Business intelligence and data analytics are increasingly becoming a critical aspect of organizations' competitive strategies as more and more organizations are looking to move towards a digital transformation and data-driven decision-making. Often these efforts are driven by data-savvy business leaders who are excited about the opportunities that analytics can bring to their organization. Unfortunately, however, many of these users who are excited by the opportunity were less than excited by the user experience from traditional BI vendors who have historically had more of an IT focus. The good news, however, is that as data makes its way into the spotlight of more and more leading organizations, analytical tools have kept pace with this trend, and new offerings are on the market aimed at this emerging role of citizen data scientists. We'll be exploring this new generation of BI and analytic tools in more depth on today's podcast. Today, I have as my guest Glenn Ravi, the CEO of Yellowfin, whose company develops an innovative business intelligence and analytics solution on the market, and Donald Farmer, principal at Treehive Strategy whose company focuses on proving the culture of analytics. Glenn and Donald, welcome to M360. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Thank you, Donald. Great to be here too. Thanks. Well, as I mentioned in the introduction, BI and analytics are seeing a renewed popularity in the market. And where you see driving this growth? And are new types of users you're seeing that might not have traditionally been analytics users in the past? I'm going to pass this to you, Donald, first. What are you seeing in the market? I think uh, you you hit it right in the nail on the head, Donna, when you mentioned the um, the kind of data savvy business leaders. I think that's been a major shift. That data is no longer the domain of of IT. It's no longer the domain of a group of specialists. But business leaders increasingly are aware of the role and the value of data, and business users are becoming increasingly data literate. Not necessarily through training and corporate efforts, but often just through the daily life, the fact that they're using apps and uh, fitness apps, which have data, and school reports, which are based on data, and news stories, which are based on data. So people um, are becoming you know, pervasively aware of the value of data, and business leaders are you know, taking the lead in using data for decision-making and analysis. And Glenn, I mean, you're in a unique position actually developing the tools for these types of users, so I'd be curious in your perspective, are you seeing similar trend? Pour avoir un site bien conçu et bien référencé, il y a ceux qui galèrent bien. Et puis il y a les autres, ceux qui veulent créer eux-mêmes leur site facilement et ceux qui préfèrent ne rien faire. Pour eux, Yonos s'occupe de tout. Ce qui est sûr, c'est qu'avec Yonos, on peut toujours faire appel à son conseiller personnel, comme s'il était dans le bureau d'à côté. À choisir, vous préférez quoi Un tuto ou un conseiller que vous finirez par tutoyer À bientôt sur Yonos, ionos.fr slash podcast. Bonne écoute I think, you know, one of the things that I've noticed, and I've been in the industry for about 20 odd years, firstly as an analyst and, and, and obviously now as a development tool sets. But what I think is interesting and, and what we touch on is this, there is, yes, there is an increasing data literacy, but I also think that when we look sort of historically and we think about what analytics was positioned as and, and how it was positioned, it was always being positioned as something for the masses, for everybody. And I think that really ultimately slowly the masses are catching up, if you like, more than the tools themselves necessarily changing dramatically. But I still think there is a huge gap between what the vast majority of users actually want from analytics versus what they get. And I think we need to look at the sort of experience, and Donald touched on it, this externalized experience 
say, potentially through data journalism or through your fitness apps about how you consume analytics versus how you consume analytics within the company that you work at. And I think there's still this massive difference in experience between the two. And that personalized analytics, I think, touches and guides people far more than the kind of analytics they get internally in organizations today. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. And you both touched on a similar theme of, you know, when BI and analytics came out, there was that promise of the data for the masses and yeah, it might not have lived up to expectations, but you're right, people have become so much more tech savvy with the Fitbits and, you know, fitness apps and they're just used to seeing consuming data. So I'll pass this back to you, Glenn. Would you say that now with these new tools and people being savvy, there's an entirely new paradigm with the way users interact with data? tools evolve to meet this sort of new user experience? So I think interestingly, if we think about where was the typical business person 20 years ago and where are they today in the organization and what were their goals and aspirations, they've always wanted to understand their, their, their business better ultimately and use that to make better decisions. And I think the tool sets have they've evolved dramatically. They are very, very different to what they were. They're easy to use. But I think that they've really struggled to keep up with the huge growth in the volume and complexity of data. I think people almost left at the same place they were 20 years ago. But at the same time, I think we're very much on the precipice of some really significant changes in the industry and the way people will get analytics delivered to them. You know, one, from an embedded perspective, but two, in a far more automated mechanism than they do today, something that's really tailored to them as personal and individualized analytics for them. And Donald, what's your perspective on that? I agree very much. I, I think one of the things that I find a little frustrating in the market today is that um, there should be a new paradigm for a lot of users. There should be a new paradigm for data analysis. But far too many vendors have simply taken the old paradigm and try to make it simpler, try to extend it, try to make it more wide-reaching, but they haven't really thought about new ways of doing analysis. And that's something that I'm very excited about, that there, there are new possibilities emerging which are enabled by cloud, they're enabled by mobile devices, they're enabled by technologies like voice, they're, they're enabled by new visualization paradigms. There are many ways in which the BI industry can develop new technologies and new paradigms. And I think, I think Glenn's right. We're on the very edge of this. It's just about happening and can't happen soon enough from my liking. Uh, on that note, we, we've talked a bit, you know, some of the use cases you've talked about are, are about analytics within an organization and, and maybe that's been more traditional. But one of the trends I'm seeing is this idea of embedded analytics. And, and you both touched on it with some people are used to the analytics being built right into products and services. And I think a lot of organizations are really capitalizing on that trend. And I'm wondering if you've seen some interesting use cases for this idea of embedded analytics and where do you see that greatest benefit from this approach? Uh, Don, I'll pass that to you. So these use cases, I think, which are important are the, one of the standard use cases for analytics is, of course, just reporting and, you know, keeping a touch on the rhythm of the business and knowing what your, where, where your business currently is. And that's fine. But I think when you start to look at providing analytics to say end customers or augmenting traditional products what happens there is that you can you can do a different type of analysis you can do analysis which is personalized and is focused not so much on where the business is as to where your perspective is in the context of the business and i think that's actually super interesting it's, it, it becomes very personalized it becomes focused on an individual's needs 
rather than their role within an organization. This personalized intelligence, I think, is, is, is interesting. It's especially true when you start to get analytics embedded, not just in, in applications, but actually, say, onto mobile devices. Mobile devices enable a whole range of user experiences that you don't get in traditional analytics. What we sometimes call a lean back experience, a browsing experience, uh, an experience which is more similar to browsing on the web than it is to querying a database. And I think that change is very important. Yeah, you brought up a good point. That idea of so much is driven by human and customer experience rather than you know analytics on organization. Right. I think for the embedded, and there's, there's two ways to look at the embedded, and, and Donald touched on both. You've got one, you've got organizations who create applications for their customers and expose data to their customers. And then you've also got software vendors who build a product who embed analytics into that product mm-hmm. for their customers. And I think they're two very, very, very interesting stories. One, from the software vendor perspective, they're actually really placed to understand the value of their data to their customer. And so when you look at generic analytics within an organization, that's very difficult to replicate. If I'm the builder of a CRM tool, then I can really tailor and think about the analytics and I can think about the business processes that lead to those analytics because I own the end-to-end process. And that's very, very exciting because you can really start to do some very innovative analytics with the data that you have at your fingertips and because you know the whole process. I think we'll see more and more of that. We'll definitely see vendors taking control of the analytic experience for their end customers. On the other side, for organizations that deliver analytics to their customers, it helps to control, to inform the relationship. And so the couple of examples that we have in that, uh, one in sort of the classified space is to, to provide feedback to people about the efficacy of their interaction with the ad platforms that they're using. And so you know, that ability to, to help guide and inform the customer about the best way to use your products to maximize the benefits to you of your products, I think really benefits both parties. Right? And so, again, that can be super tailored because the desire for the company providing the analytics is to maximize the benefit of that relationship. And we see that in that sense. We also see it in, in a lot of healthcare aggregation where people are bringing together data from multiple data points. And we've got one part of ours in particular around the epidemic in, in the US who's really working very hard to inform local policymakers about the best way to tackle that issue locally for them and by bringing multitudes of data together and providing that as a service to policymakers. And I think that's what's really exciting is you get ultimately the story here is the people with the deepest understanding of the data are now building the analytics rather than the organization who has all the data having to do it themselves and to learn themselves specifically. Yeah. These are all great opportunities. And I think, you know, we've all been in the business for many years and I think that's why this is a really fun time to be in analytics. There's just so much opportunity in, in different use cases. And, I mean, with these new business opportunities, I guess the flip side of that is there becomes more risk. Is not only more eyes are on the data, but also, as you just mentioned, more hands are on the data. People are actually doing more of their own analytics. So I'm curious your thoughts on how we address things like data governance in this new world of analytics. And has this traditional data governance methodology also evolved along with the tools as we look at this new way of working? Glenn, what are your thoughts on that? So firstly, sadly, I've been around long enough to kind of see a few cycles of governance 
so the kind of everybody in, everybody out model. And, you know, and I, and I think, you know, apart from regulatory influences like GDPR, you know, governance is very much a symptom of the level of risk and frustration of two sides of the business, the controllers and the doers. And so right now we're seeing a huge upswing in governance after you know, many years of kind of unfettered access to data. And that's the we're in now. To your point, what's going to change? I think, yes, we'll still see traditional controls and traditional hierarchies around controlling data. But at the same time, what I'm seeing a lot more of is peer-based controls. So when you start to publish data and you have visibility into who created it and who was involved in the process, and that starts to build trust. It's not just about you know, rules and controls. And I think we'll see far more peer-based and, and informal structures that support governance moving forward that allows more of a balance between the sort of centralised versus decentralised model that we're so typically used to. Yeah. Um, Donald, are you seeing a similar trend? I am. Um, and I, I, I often kind of try to phrase it this way, that uh, the role of IT in this world has to change somewhat from their previous role as gatekeepers of the organization, preventing access to data and, and, and primarily playing a restrictive role. They have to move from being gatekeepers to being shopkeepers. And what I mean by that is they have to be very proactively preparing data, sharing data, making data available and making tools available for business users. Otherwise, business users will just go and do it themselves in this self-service world that Glenn is describing. And not in a bad way, at least not in a way with bad motivations, but in a way that's difficult to govern. If IT can get out ahead of this and be the shopkeeper, then they can present data in a way that it was, is, is far more governable, but also in a way that has both insight and oversight of the process. I think IT have to face that they, they probably no longer have absolute control of systems, so the best they can do is have insight and oversight of those, and that requires that, that role change, that mindset change. Yeah, I like that insight and oversight. It's a nice phrase. And I would agree. I've seen so much more, I would almost call collaborative data governance, where, you know, we're all adults. We're trying to share the data. And and I've seen some IT uh, departments actually be be pleased by that. They'll be saying, you know, we've been telling people for years that there's six different definitions of total sales. And then people start looking at it and they say, did you know there were six definitions of total sales? (laughs) Right. You're using it yourself. It's a totally different experience. So, I mean, we're so starting to run out of time. So I'm wondering, in closing, what advice would you give an organization who's starting to embark on this new analytics and BI strategy in terms of what benefits they can expect and maybe some of the gotchas to avoid? So, Donald, I'll pass that back to you. Any advice? I think one of the gotchas to avoid is that idea that you have control of the system. I think we have to actually recognize that we are living in a world of kind of looser controls. So I think one of the things that organizations have to enable is users, is genuine self-service, where users have a tool of choice. And yes, you provision them with a set of tools, but don't assume that one tool is serve all purposes. You're going to live in a world where there's typically a portfolio of tools, especially as some users rapidly develop up the stack and become adept at statistical analysis, basic data science, machine learning, that sort of thing. So you want a platform that is, you know, serves as many needs as possible, but also be aware that there will be a kind of portfolio of tools out there in almost any organization. Yeah, that's good advice. There's so many different roles now. Not, not one tool can solve them all. Glenn, are you seeing a similar thing? 
Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Donald. I think the horse is, is well and truly bolted in terms of the tool sets that are out there. I think every organisation has a suite of tools that they use today to do some form of analytics. But I, I suppose I would take a step back and in, in framing the strategy, the first question really, and the, the, the thing that I'll take the longest time to really contemplate as an organisation is, what are we really trying to achieve? You know, what are our goals in the strategy? Who's the audience? And what's the risk profile that we're willing to bear? How are we going to manage that? And I think rather than starting with simply, the, you know, we need to get our hands on more data, the question is, what are we going to do with it? How are we expecting our, our people to use that data and to use that every day? And what kind of culture do we need to support all of that? And these are sort of bigger questions that I think, from my perspective, then help to frame the guiding path that an organisation can set to say what's acceptable within the organisations, what's not, in a world when there are multiple tools and provides a framework of understanding and guidance and points everyone in the direction that the organisation is trying to get to. That, to me, is the bit that I think most people seem to skip over when they think about their BI strategy. They jump straight into the what tools do we need yeah. what are we trying to achieve. Yeah, no, that's probably the best advice of, of all. You know, start, start with your business strategy and then align your data to that because that's, that's really the why of what we're doing with it. Well, this has been very, very valuable, and I'm sure the audience will be very interested in all of the insights you've had, but we are running out of time. So thank you for joining this edition of Data Transforming Business. Uh, I hope you can join us on future editions where we explain, we explore how data can have a positive impact on business success. Thank you, Donald. Thank you, Glenn. How is data transforming business? This podcast was presented by Enterprise Management 360 and moderated by Donna Burbank. Head to em360tech.com for more. Pour avoir un site bien conçu et bien référencé, il y a ceux qui galèrent bien. Et puis il y a les autres, ceux qui veulent créer eux-mêmes leur site facilement et ceux qui préfèrent ne rien faire. Pour eux, Yonos s'occupe de tout. Ce qui est sûr, c'est qu'avec Yonos, on peut toujours faire appel à son conseiller personnel, comme s'il était dans le bureau d'à côté. À choisir, vous préférez quoi Un tuto ou un conseiller que vous finirez par tutoyer À bientôt sur Yonos, ionos.fr slash podcast. Bonne écoute